Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Now, I would be remiss if we did not jump into immediately. It's the first time we've gone live since Tuesday, the big news of the Broncos going out and trading for Seattle Seahawks quarterback, the new starting quarterback for your Denver Broncos, hopefully for the next five to seven, maybe 12 years. Uh, Russell Wilson, Eric, dude, I remember exactly where I was at, and I will remember exactly where I was at when I heard the news. I was driving my semi, and uh, let's just say I damn near caused a 40-car pilot. No, I'm just playing. It was it was amazing to hear that news, to hear that the Broncos have finally made a a big swing and a hit on a franchise quarterback, a guy like the caliber of Russell Wilson, a top five quarterback in the NFL. Eric, where were you and what were your immediate thoughts other than just, where go Broncos? I mean, I was sitting right here. I was busy working away um, doing draft stuff and everything, and I was going back and forth. I was talking in the chat and everything. Um, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and making some jokes about that. And then um, – I went and did something else and I came back and the, and I think it was Nick or Carl made a comment about Russell Wilson and oh no, I, I, I opened up something else, uh, another app on my phone. So uh, I was pretty excited, man. I mean, as I said on Twitter on Tuesday night or might've been Wednesday night, part of what has me so excited isn't just the fact that Russell Wilson's here. It's that we don't have to worry about quarterback, and we're not forced to talk about a talk about some players that we just got tired of talking about. Yeah, um, it's nice. It's there's no longer an argument here in Broncos country about it. Um, should be all bo- board the Russell Wilson train. Hopefully, he can lead Denver to being a contending team, and don't have to worry about taking one of these quarterbacks in this draft. Don't have to sit here and try to talk ourselves into why it would be okay if they took Malik Willis at nine, like just very refreshing. And it was weird. And I even tweeted this out. I got on Twitter today and there was an argument going on about the tight end position. And it was just so unreal in a way that we're, that there was an argument going on among people who've been arguing about the quarterback position for well over a year. They're sitting here arguing about the tight end position. Going to take some getting used to, but I, I'm I'm happy about it. I'm happy because it allows us to focus on other aspects of this team as well. It's not just the quarterback position. We have that in place. Now it's everything else. Yeah, and I mean, you and I, we try to focus on everything. In, I mean, we are the Dove Valley deep divers. Deep dive takes is what we do here, you know, deep dive analysis and stuff like that. And it has been just the primary focus on talking about the quarterback position over the last couple of years since we've started our podcast in in August of what, 2019? Like that's all we've talked about for the majority of the time is just specifically the quarterback position. And now we don't have to do that where we can actually have these deep dive conversations and bring you as much analysis as we possibly can across the roster. And like you said, arguing about who's going to be the next tight end that comes onto this team. That is such a breath of fresh air. And don't get me wrong. We, I mean, we, everybody knows our opinions of, of Drew Locke and, and I, I wish him the best in Seattle. And hopefully, you know, he can actually grow into the player that well, like, like he, that he could potentially be as a, maybe Houston. Well, this is very true too. This is very true too. I mean, watch out what happens with Deshaun Watson here over the next few days, but uh, it, it is so nice to be able to move on from that discussion and then to be able to have 
all of these uh, these quality discussions about the edge defender, offensive tackle, uh, interior defensive line, linebacker. We're going to get into all of that, guys. Big free agency show. Lawrence Rivera jumping in here. He says, uh, we got to trade uh, Russell Wilson for Deshaun Watson straight across. LOL, JK, don't kill me. Um uh, Peter jumping in here as well. I love waking up to this show. DVDD for breakfast. There it is. Hey, there we go. I'm I'm a, I'm on board with this. We need. Hey, you know what? We need to get it onto Chad and get a uh, a new coffee cup made up. DVDD for breakfast. Here we go. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. But uh, no, it's, go I, I want to grab this real quick because Nathan says no more mock drafts. Oh no, no, no. There'll still be mock drafts. Oh yeah, we, there, Denver still has Denver still has picks. Like they pick sixty four. They have they still have five top one hundred and fifty picks. They still have three top 100 picks. There's still plenty to do for a mock draft. Well, and it, it's going to be fun to continue on with the with the draft stuff because who knows what's going to happen here. Obviously, George Payton is showing the ability to wheel and deal, and he's going to make the moves that he wants to make. Uh, so, like, there's a potential possibility. I was talking with uh, Jeremy at Black Knight over on Twitch, um, and he was he was asking me, he says, you know, what would you think about the Broncos trading up in the second round to go and get an offensive tackle? Like, that's definitely a conversation that – we can have on this and maybe next week we will do that with Jeremy who is going to be joining the show by the way we have actually confirmed that with him and this is from based Gase, who used to have the best profile picture of anybody on the YouTube and Broncos YouTube with the with the whole Adam Gase. it was so good uh, I can't says, tell what it is now it's definitely one of the Scooby-Doo one it's the Scooby-Doo one with the revealing of it but I can't quite tell who the faces are I'm, yeah I'm not sure what that is it would be interesting to get you know where we can actually see something like that and see what that actually is but he says uh, anyways Trey McBride at number 64 who do you guys like in the third round uh, Eric Trey McBride uh, tied in out of Colorado State no no, no? pass so I, it's, I, not, it's nothing to do with the player. It deals with the value of the position, especially in Russell Wilson quarterback led offense. Tight end yeah. just isn't as valuable. Um, you want a blocking tight end? You can find one later. And part of the reason why they were willing to trade Noah Fan is they really believe that Albert Okwebenam's on the verge of breaking out and being one of the top tight ends in the NFL. They, I think they want to give him a shot. I don't think that they're looking at tight end at sixty four. I think that tackle or edge at the moment, obviously that can change with free agency. Um, I do expect them to take a tackle or a tight end at some point. I don't think it'll be in the top 100. I, I'm with you on that one. Um, if they were going to take a tight end in the top 100, I would rather go and get a, an elite athlete like Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina um, just to pair him with Albert O because Albert O, we all know that he doesn't run the best routes. He turns like a battleship, as Nick Kendall likes to say all the time. But the straight line speed that you're going to get with this offense, the, the the horizontal passing attack in this West Coast scheme actually does fit with no, with what uh, Albert Okawegbanam wants to do. So I, I am curious to see how this is going to progress with a quarterback that can actually deliver the football. However, again, like you said, Russell Wilson doesn't like to throw the football to the tight end very often. I mean, they had Jacob Hollister there for a little while. Um, Jimmy Grant, uh, Jimmy Graham had a, a decent couple of years there. Um, what's the the one? And it was actually a, a name that could potentially pop up for the tight end and free agency is Will Disley is a guy. Uh, Gerald Everett is another one too. Yeah. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I don't, I'm with Eric here. I don't think they're going to spend a top 100 pick on, on a tight end, but if it was to, to happen, Kate Dotton is a kid that I like a lot. And then also Isaiah likely is, is a kid that I really like there. But uh, anyways, now let's get into the, the meat and bones of this, uh, of this discussion here. The, Free agency is right around the corners, guys. Steve jumping in here and showing some love with some stars here. And thank you, Steve, for joining us. Um, free agency starts, I believe, Monday is the opening of the legal tampering period, which is a 48-hour period before the start of the new league year. Um, not that legal tampering or illegal tampering isn't already ongoing, but free agency does open. I believe it is at uh, 2 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday is when the start of the league year begins. So we can get into a lot of great free agency discussion here. Now, Eric has an article up on milehighhuddle.com. It's a uh, Denver Broncos free agency article, and he lists five players at all of the key positions of need for this Broncos team. A, an amazing read, guys. Go and check it out. Again, milehighhuddle.com. But we're going to start off with the biggest need that the Broncos do currently have right now. Uh, talking about the edge position. 
And obviously you've got the likes of Von Miller, a guy that has been out there and showing his love for Broncos country, potentially an employee to get more money from the Rams. But he has made it very clear that he wants to come back to the Denver Broncos, or at least he would be amicable, amicable to a solution that comes with him coming back to Denver. Now, my, my question, up, go ahead. My question with Von Miller isn't just the fact of how much is he using that, the wanting to return to get more money, but how much he's willing to take. Sounds like he still wants a huge deal, and I don't think Denver wants to go that expensive for him. And, and see Patrick coming in here with some stars. Thank you, Patrick. We really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, man. We appreciate you for joining us. We appreciate everybody for joining us on the Dove Alley Deep Divers podcast. We'll get back to the chat here in just a couple of minutes, but uh, and and give a proper hello to everybody that's in in the show today. But uh, as of right now, per OverTheCap.com, the Broncos have $23.5 million in cap space. So if you're looking at and it, it really does depend on how the, the contracts are structured that they hand out to some of these free agent players. But if Von Miller is looking for a big money deal on a, let's call it a three-year extension or even a two-year deal, something like that, if he's wanting $18, 19000000 million, I'm not sure that the Broncos are going to look in that direction because there are a couple of guys that Eric also has on this list that are going to come at probably a little bit cheaper of a number so 23 and a half million dollars if you're going to spend a lot of that on von miller i don't think that that's going to be in the cards here lately yeah from the sounds of it it sounds like that 15 16 million on an average per year basis obviously structure really matters with it um i mean shelby harris ronald darby they signed for 10 average 10 million on an average per year basis with 30 years 30 million they cost 6 million combined against the cap last year so obviously depending on how you structure it matters but it sounds like that 15, 16 million seems to be the max of what they want to do for an edge. Um, which is why I which is one of the reasons why I think Miller's on the won't be an option. I think he's looking for at least another $18 million plus deal. Um, I think he's gonna push for that. And I think he's got a reason to push for that with how vital he was to the Super Bowl run for the yeah. Rams. I mean, he he absolutely killed it. Um, a guy, I mean, I know there's a lot out there for Hassan Reddick as well, and, and Hassan Reddick's on my list. Um, pressures are one of the best predictors for success at the edge, edge position, and his total pressure count is really low, and that's concerning. And I'm, it's not saying avoid him at all costs. He's still so good at getting after the quarterback. I like to see him be a little bit more consistent with his pressures. His run defense is bad. Yeah. Um, that's my bigger concern here with him is that run defense he has. Um, if you can get him for under 14 million on an average per year basis, I'd be fine with it. But I think he's another one. He's going to be pushing that 18 plus million. I think Chandler Jones is the best bet. There's a good relationship there between Jones and Russell Wilson. Um, and I think that, I mean, Chandler Jones a couple of years ago when things were tense between him and Arizona, he made a couple comments about wanting to play with Russell Wilson. That's probably still there. That desire is, and I don't think he'll be as cheap. But it's a similar concern there right? with, with the pressure rate. He had a he didn't have a, that good of a pressure rate. I actually have a couple of tweets up on Twitter about this as well. But he was a much much better run defender than Hassan Reddick is, and that is something that Denver really needs with how exploited exploited they were off the edge against the run last year. Yeah, it, it, it's actually kind of interesting with Chandler Jones. I have a couple of numbers here because I just did a hit on um, the Worldwide Sports Talk Radio Network um, on Wednesday. And it, it was a fun interview, and I've got some audio that I want to share with everybody here um, at, at some other time. It's not going to be tonight. But I did some research on, on Chandler Jones. Um, he only had 47 total pressures, which was the 15th most with, of any pass rusher with at least 500 pass rush snaps. Um, and that was far and away – one of the one of the lower numbers of the of the total of the total number of guys that actually had 500 pass rush snaps but his uh, 14.0 percentage of pass rush win rate was uh the ninth highest with at least 500 pass rush snaps so he does have the ability to get after the passer a part of the big deal with the production with Chandler Jones is he had five sacks against the Tennessee Titans in week one and then finished the season with five and a half more total over the rest of the, the 16 games. And I don't know if he missed any games in there, so I might be wrong on that. But that's not enough production as far as the sack totals are concerned. And, he, and the 47 total I mean, pressures, that's not a like a high enough quality guy. So that's a reason why you can get him to come in on a cheaper deal. And he actually fits because there's also another connection here. 
he was at Syracuse with uh, with uh, um, Nathaniel Hackett. So there's there's two connections here as well. So Chandler Jones would be the direction that I would look at. Hassan Reddick would probably be option one B to me. Um, and then it, just because of the market being so overblown because of what happened with Harold Landry getting his mega deal back to the Titans, Von Miller is a way better edge rusher than uh, than Harold Landry has been for the past what five seasons. So. Why not go if he, if he has the ability to go and maximize his market and say, I'm better than Harold Landry. I want $19 million. He has the leverage to be able to do that, especially with what, like you said, what he did in the postseason run. He had nine sacks over the last eight games in L.A. So there's like Von Miller could go out and potentially get 18, 19 or $20 million on a two year deal very easily. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned Chandler Jones against the Tennessee Titans because the guy he beat up for a good portion of that absolutely dominant game just got released. Um, in Roger Saffold. Yep. Um, but part of the reason why pressures are so important for the Broncos and why you want to look at that, and obviously um, you can have your breakout year and all this stuff like that, but there's good consistency with predicting future success with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Von Miller was third in the Broncos pressures last year. He was the top edge. Like, you got to get a quarter, get a pass rusher off the edge who can get after the quarterback. I still think there's plenty left for Chandler Jones. I think it was a down year for him. Um and it's obviously going to take some risk to be a little bit of risky to see if he can bounce back from that. But I think the new, the change of scenery and have and whatnot will help him because it's not like he didn't have talent around him. Marcus Golden had a great year getting after the quarterback for the Arizona yep. Cardinals last year. Yes, he did. Um, but and then they added JJ Watt. They have talent around Chandler Jones, so there's some concern there. The guy that I really would like at edge position, Emmanuel Ogba. Yeah. I think the last two years, he's been so under the radar. He's absolutely killed it. Has a good pressure rate. He got, I think it's like one or has a pressure like every 8.6 snaps or something like that. One of the betters of the big name free agent guys. Um, and he's one that I don't think he'll be super expensive because he still just tends to go under the radar a little bit. And he had a really bad start to the beginning of his career there with the Cleveland yeah. Browns. Yeah. Got, um, I can't remember if he was traded or signed with the Miami Dolphins. Um, I think he was traded to Miami and something that he actually did improve upon. And it was a big reason why he fell out of favor in Cleveland was the fact that he was not a very good run defender in Cleveland. He actually stepped his game up in Miami and it was a better scheme fit for him there. So I I do believe that Emmanuel Agua would be a a really good addition. The other one that Eric has on his article is Trey Flowers. Um, Formerly, I I think he was, is he coming out of Detroit? He was just just released by the Detroit line. So he won't count the compensatory pick formula. And they can negotiate with him I think that's a big thing is he'll be cheap. And he's one of those guys that you look at that the risk could be worth the reward there because that first year in Detroit, he absolutely killed it. And then injuries started piling up and he dealt with injuries the last two years, missed a lot of games. Hopefully you want to see if he's healthy and then, and come back, bring him in on the cheap. And he's a guy that I may not be looking at him as a full-time starter, but to upgrade your number three spot, which is desperately needed, like, there you go. And then if you pair that with a draft pick at the edge position or even yeah. another signing at edge mm-hmm. uh, for another cheap guy that's got maybe has a little bit of risk there to rotate him or something along the lines, like, that would be a good pick. And there's plenty of other edges in the infra agency as well to look at. Um, uh, there was one that didn't make the list, and uh, I can't remember his name now, but he had a he had a pretty good year. Um, last year, and uh, I'm just not sure if he's the best fit for what Denver wants to do. Um, oh, uh, Nick and I just talked about him just the other day out of New England in the chat. Um, uh, Calvin, Kyle Van Calvin, I'm not the biggest fan of him in the thing, but he's in the Broncos scheme, but he's a decent guy to look at with the combination of traits that he has. Yeah, he's a, a it would be, be interesting. He's a tremendous guy dropping back into coverage off of the edge. And if that's what a, a Jiro Everill wants to do with like getting some creative blitz. That Leonard Floyd type hybrid. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's a very good player. He's kind of fleeced some teams because he'll go out and sign a big money deal for, you know, two or three years. He'll play one year off of that and then get cut, go back to the Patriots, have a huge season, then go cash in in a free agency again. So like it, it would make some sense because he's such a great scheme fit in Denver that it, like that's a guy that you can go out and get on a, let's say $10 million deal, keep him for a year and then let him go or do whatever you need to do. Um, Another guy that I'm kind of interested in, um, not necessarily the greatest fit, but an aging guy that might not ask for the the most money ever is going to be Jerry Hughes from Buffalo. Um, 
he was on a $10 million deal, unrestricted free agent. He's like 33 or 34 years old. Um, a guy that has a lot of pressures. I, I do want to pull that, that comment back up from Peter really fast, Scott, if you got that. Uh, we're going to switch the conversation up here a minute, and then I'm going to uh, get back to the chat. Uh, Peter Middleton jumping in here with some stars, and we really appreciate you, Peter, for all that you do for us, man. Uh, the Broncos choose one free agent and two drafts picks for anyone on the offensive line. Who are they? And why? Now, Eric, this is actually the second position of need that you have, specifically the right tackle position. Um, there's rumors going around about Lyle Collins, the right tackle from the Dallas Cowboys, potentially getting traded. Is that potentially something that the Broncos could do is instead of, you know, taking two draft picks on the offensive line, sending two of those picks to Dallas to get Lyle Collins here? I mean, it's if they're not looking at it, it's definitely something that they should. You don't see a player of his caliber get on the market and with, Khalil Mack coming in. Granted, he hasn't been the Khalil Mack of old over the last couple of years with injuries coming in. Um, it's definitely something you got to look at. Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, like that's just super dangerous. You you got to do something to to help with that, especially you protect that new quarterback, that new franchise quarterback you just got. the The question is going to be how much is it going to cost to get him? Because when he's out there on the field, he's good. Um, he's a great tackle. Even it's just there's a lot of injuries that have piled up, and then there was a the suspension. Um, he had that hip injury, which caused some lingering issues there when he first came back from that um, a year or two ago, whenever that was. Um, so there's definitely concerns there, and his contract, but his contract is fair, um, and it's a to move where okay, we're going, we're going in on winning now with Russell Wilson before a potential extension comes in, and he, we're having to pay him forty plus million a year because the deal for Russell Wilson right now for Denver, anyways is relatively cheap. Now's the time to go in and make those moves that are needed. Yeah. So I'm going to say hello to the chat. We're going to get back into this offensive line discussion here really fast. Um, so before I do that, Oh, we got a, another super chat here from Kenny, Kenny Booker, dude. I'm so glad that you joined us tonight, man. I was so upset that uh, we we heard the news that you were going to be moving on. Um, and congratulations to you on uh, further advancing your Army career. Uh, thank you very, very much for your service. It was a blast to be able to hang out with you. I hope that we can be able to do something like that sometime here in the near future. Um, but, dude, thank you again for all of your support. And we really appreciate you for joining us tonight, man. Uh, how surprised were you that Judy was not in the trade for Russell Wilson? I was actually pretty surprised. I, I really I like the, there was either Noah Fant or Jerry Judy, and I thought that Judy was going to be the one to go. But the fact that you're bringing in a guy that doesn't throw to the quarterback very often, I know that the the um, the Seahawks would like to value that a little bit more. Um, Noah Fant starting to develop as a run blocker a little bit better. Um, they need a tight end help up there desperately with uh, Gerald Everett being becoming a free agent. Um, this is a guy that has a lot of talent that can work with there. But Jerry Judy was the guy that I really thought was going to be in, incorporated in that trade for sure. Um, for Russell Wilson, I'm actually not surprised Jerry Judy wasn't part of the trade. Mm -hmm. um, if Aaron Rodgers wanted out, I believe that Jerry Judy would have been part of that trade. I am surprised, though, that it wasn't including Tim Patrick um, for Russell. That's fair. Mm -hmm. um, just simply because of what Seattle already has that wide receiver. Tim Patrick is very different from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, whereas Jerry Judy is kind of somewhere right there in between. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised there, but I understand why Denver went with Noah Fant. Um, there's been some stuff coming out about his year last year. Um behind the scenes stuff, off the field stuff. Like not that he was a troublemaker by any means. Not not trying to say that he was. Just some issues. I mean, losing his mom and everything like that played an impact on him. Um but it, it just seems like the bigger thing was that they want capable blockers at the tight end position. And while Albert Oakway but I'm still has a ways to go, he's showing more progress than Noah Fant has at this yeah. point. Whereas Noah Fant took a major step back from the 2020 season to the 2021 season yeah. with the um, blocking there. And then you're coming up on, okay, we have to pick decide on his fifth year option. Now I think that played a factor into it, even though it was a cheap fifth year option. It's still that thing of, we have to decide if we want to commit more money to him. Well now Seattle can make that decision. 
Yeah, exactly. And it was like $6.65 million was the fifth year option for tight ends this year. So it would have been a really cheap deal, but are you going to bring him back and still keep Albert O who's even on a cheaper deal and you have longer term commitment to him based on his rookie contract. So there's, there's a lot of different angles to kind of attack that part of the conversation, but still I, I am surprised that Jerry Judy wasn't the trade piece and Fant really was. So and I want to grab this comment real quick. Brent Baldwin says, you're very wrong about how I view Albert O. We tried to train him first, but Seattle won fan. You're not wrong. The, um, Albert O. was part of that deal first. And part of the reason why is because Denver thought that that could be, was more value to send him. Yep. But apparently it was only more value for Denver. Yeah. They thought that they, by adding Albert O. they'd be able to get less. That wasn't how it was. Seattle valued Noah Fant more. So they're willing to do that. Denver was fine moving one of them. They just wanted to clear up the tight end position. They still do believe highly in Albert Oakley's capabilities. More than one thing can be true here at once. They looked at trying to trade him. He was part of the trade. He was in the talks with Aaron Rodgers if that happened, but they still have a high opinion of him. Yeah. All things are true. Yes. Uh, Leaf Roebuck has a good question here. I'm going to get to that here in just a second, Scott. I, I do want to say hello to everybody in the chat here. We've got 277 pairs of eyes on us right now, 23 like emojis on Facebook right now. Guys, make sure if you're on YouTube, please smash that like button. We really appreciate everybody for joining us. Got to shout some people out here. Uh, Gabriel Felix saying hello over on YouTube. We've got Mike, uh, William Catalano, uh Let's see here. Jake Kozad, Dylan Von Arch doing his thing behind the scenes as well. Brent Baldwin, Peter all, all the way over in Cambodia as well. Uh, Blink Joe, that's a new name for me. So welcome into the show, Joe. We appreciate you for joining us. Um, ZZZ, what's going on, man? How are you? Uh, let's see here. Shy Vargas in the, in the show as well. Uh, let's see. That pretty much sums up uh, Gary Blobby, Blah Blah. Is it Blah Blah or Blah Blia? Blah Blah. I don't, I'm not sure. Hi, Gary. How are you? Um, obviously KB Jeremy, uh, has a question here on Majai Sanders. We'll get to that here in just a couple of minutes as well. Um, Jetty splash. That's another new name. Jesse hedges, another new name. We've got a lot of people in here that not familiar with, and we appreciate every single one of you guys for joining us tonight. Thank you for joining the Dove Valley deep divers. I want to grab this question from leaf really fast. Um, if I can find it again, it's all the way down at the bottom. And now my stream just jumped. Um, I got it. There it is. Thank you. Uh, Leaf jumping in says, I love the show, gentlemen, especially this time of year. I like to follow up on Peter Middleton's question. Would bringing in a free agent center and keeping the right side of the line intact for a second year while drafting a right tackle be a better move than an expensive right tackle? Oh, that's a good question. Because Lloyd Cushenberry, as much as I liked him coming out of LSU, um, I like the athleticism. There was a lot of strength concerns, pass protection concerns as well. And those are showing their ugly face directly on the on the tape. Every time you watch Lloyd Cushenberry, he gets blown off of the football a lot, um, struggles with his assignments a lot of times. You get him one-on-one -on -one or even especially if they double-team him and bring two like double A-gap pressures – he struggles with that a lot and there is some value to being able to go and get a, a free agent center. However, I think if they're going to move on from Lloyd Cushenberry, it's going to be Graham Glasgow or Quinn Miners. And that's going to be the competition to watch there because Graham Glasgow actually played very well at center back in Michigan. He also played center in Detroit as well. So that would be a guy that I would look at there. And then Quinn Miners, obviously the young cat coming from Wisconsin Whitewater going into his second season, he played center at the senior bowl and actually kind of showed out there. In fact, he played so well he snapped with a broken hand and still managed to dominate guys at the, at the point of attack so that's where I would be looking at Cushenberry doesn't necessarily seem to be in the fold for this offensive line and even if you do go and get a center you still have to address the right tackle position because Bobby Massey wasn't great this last season and the only other guy that they have on the roster that can slide into that is Calvin Anderson and that's not a promising option on the right side either so you're going to have to invest in the right tackle position. Now, Eric, I'm going to leave this question to you. Is it going to be in the draft, or are they going to go and get a guy? I, I expect that they'll go and sign somebody in free agency for the right tackle position and still look at the draft. Um, I, I'm As much as I think they should be in on Lyle Collins, I don't think they actually will be. Um, I think that they'll get outbid in it um, if if they even show interest there. And it seems to be that a veteran option, um, Dennis Kelly is one name to watch there. Uh, he was with Green Bay. A lot of Bronco fans actually wanted him signed last year. Yep. Um, 
before Bobby Massey and then again before Cameron Fleming. He ended up going to Green Bay, sat on the bench, and then when he came in towards the end of the season, he helped solidify the line a little bit. He's not a great starter by any means, but he's solid, and he can get the job done, and then you're adding him with comp- in a competition with the rookie. Like, that's fine. As for the center position with Lloyd Cushenberry, I know that there's a lot of people out there in Broncos country that think he improved, and technically, you're not wrong. He went from a bottom three center in as, a, as a rookie to a bottom five center last year. Um, he had he executed one of the highest amounts of double teams and still had one of the lowest run block and pass block win grades or win rates for centers. Um, like it really, it, it wasn't good. Um, it, it was a terrible showing by him pretty consistently had a couple of good games that everybody's like, okay, maybe we can sit here and see him go off of that. But yeah, it wasn't good. And with Russell Wilson, like you want to be, you want to shore up the interior pressure a little bit. Um, and so I, I think that you got to figure out something there. I wouldn't be surprised at all. If your interior offensive line is some in some fashion, Dalton Reisner, Graham Glasgow and Quinn Miners. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then go get a right tackle in free agency and the draft. I think they're going to do the same thing at edge. I think they're both. I think those are the clear two, the two very clear highest priorities. And I think that with both those, we're going to sign a free agent. We're going to draft somebody. I don't disagree with you on that. The one thing that I will say is I value nickel cornerbacks extreme, like incredibly highly, especially versatility in the in the uh, in the secondary. If you can play and wear multiple hats, you can play inside, can play outside, maybe drop back and play some safety. That to me, that that nickel defensive back, not even necessarily a cornerback. If you can get a, a high quality safety, but to me, that's going to be a draft need, or and potentially you can get somebody on the the free agent market. I, I know that Chris Harris Jr. is a free. Agent. Agent, um, a guy that I'm not going to say his name, but there's another guy that just came available, um, cleared up some legal issues. If you want to know that, go go figure that out for yourself. Um, but uh, like cornerback is definitely a need for this team. However, edge and offensive line, specifically right tackle, is the the big way to go. I think Natani Moody, for as a high quality of a prospect as he is, he just doesn't fit this scheme. Now, I want to get back to your free agency article here Real for quick. a second. There was something I that was kind of confusing me. You. Were, were you saying that nickel corner is a higher priority for you than edge and offensive tackle? No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Like, I, I how, with how you ordered it, that's kind of how that's kind of how I took it. I was going to ask what you were smoking, but okay. No, no, God, no, because uh, they still have a saying Bassey coming back. Bryce Callahan is a potential guy they could bring back there as well. I just, I, I, I think Darius that back. That, that's a good one too. That's a really good one from uh, from Los Angeles. We'll get into that here in just a second. I, I do want to go back to your article right now, though, specifically for the offensive tackle position. Now, the top guy that you have, and this maybe not be in like a specific order. You've already mentioned Dennis Kelly, but the top guy you have available is a guy that has a lot of familiarity with Russell Wilson over the last, I think, three seasons, playing at the left tackle position for the Seattle Seahawks, and Dwayne Brown. Now he's. Not yeah, I wouldn't count right on now. that happening. I don't think so either. I think he's going to price himself out of the market. But not only that, million... not only that, I think his stubbornness to want to stick at left tackle is going yeah. to go against him here. Yeah, and the Broncos don't want to move Garrett Bowles. Like they, they really don't. Like that's that's confirmed thing. They want Garrett Bowles to be their franchise left tackle. They paid him as such. And with the the learning disability issues that he did have, I'm not blaming him or, or talking down on him here, but he did ha- take a while to really develop into that top flight tackle that the Broncos actually do have right now. So why would you want to take him away from somewhere where he's having a massive amount of success over the last couple of seasons? Like Garrett Bowles is your franchise left tackle at least for the next two years, I think I, I have to look at his contract to see what it actually looks like. But on the other side of the football, uh, the, the other side of the offensive line, uh, there's a guy that I really liked. I believe he's coming out of USC. Um, Chakuma Akorafor. He's a, uh, a former Pittsburgh Steeler right tackle, had a really good game against the Denver Broncos in week two of last season, not the 2020 season or the, the 2021 season, 2020. Uh, that was actually the game that Drew Locke got hurt. But Chakuma Akorafor, and I, I can't remember the other, Kevin Dotson, I think it was the right guard that played. They were both starting their first career games at the position. And between the two of them, gave up zero pressures. And that was going against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Chakuma Akorafor is a guy that I think is a massive fit for this Broncos offense. Eric, why don't you speak on him just a minute? Well, I mean, we're talking about a guy that Scott's talked about quite a bit. Um, I remember talking about him in the chat the other day, and Nick's first thing is like that Scott's guy. Um, And Scott in here, I mean, he kept it for me having to look it up. 1,050 snaps, two sacks. He's only 24 years old. 
Um, he's still putting things together, but he's on that he's on that upward climb. And things are starting to click for him, and this is that's a possibility of getting him a really good contract at this point. Yep. Um, he's a guy I would absolutely love in Denver. I think he's he fits well with the scheme. He's one of those guys that he has all the traits for it. He's big. He's athletic. He moves well. He's got good power to his game. He's just one of those guys that guys that you want, and um, you you want to bet big on that upper climb. It's the move that I'd be looking at. I'm not sure Denver is. Um, I, I think that, for lack of a better way to put it, I think that their approach to the offensive tackle position this year is not necessarily cheap at tackle, but che- then but not going super expensive at the position and doubling down with the draft. And then to answer Nathan's question here, Nathan came in with the $5 Super Chat. Appreciate that, Nathan. Thanks, Nathan. Um, along with everybody else who stars in Super Chats, we appreciate you all. Um, he says, do you think we address the return game in either free agency or the draft? I think it's an option that we could potentially see them add somebody very cheap as a returner option in the free agency and then again double down in the, in the draft with a late round pick, maybe even undrafted free agent. Um, just to add competition there. Um, I know they liked Mike Boone a little bit in that role. We'll see what happens there as well. That's a name to keep an eye on. But I mean, if they want to go for a returner, I mean, Velas Jones Jr. out of Tennessee, like in the draft, he's my guy for that. I'm looking in house. I really am looking in house. You've got a guy that has explosive, quick twitch ability. There's ball security for sure issues with him, and he's coming off of a torn ACL. KJ Hamler, guys, like the, the speed's there, the shiftiness is there. It, so long as he can catch the dang football on a, on a punt and stuff like that, that was that's, that was reported. The issue is that he was having. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I know. So you don't want to bet on that. I, I'm not necessarily betting on that, but that's a that's an option that I'm looking at for sure. I think that. I mean, you, you add him to the competition. Yes, for uh, that's that's where I'm getting at. You, you add him to the competition. You, 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 you add, add another competition. guy. You add through free agency. You add to the draft. So Marcus Jones is a guy that I like there. Um, and also Velas Jones Jr. Is, is another guy I like there. But still, I mean, K.J. Handler has to be a guy because you spend a second-round pick on the guy. He's got to see the field eventually in some kind of a key role. And, yeah, well, well I mean, Russell Wilson team. with how much he loved Metcalf. Like, there you go. Like, yeah, are the same player. But that speed they bring to take the top off of defense. Yeah. I, and I, I'm not trying to – take that away from from KJ Hamler. I just think that that would be a, a direction if you're if you're trying to upgrade this roster in, in the best way. Um obviously adding it some more competition there is is a huge need, but I think that KJ Hamler needs to be at least a part of the discussion there. And who knows how he's going to be coming back from that injury. Yeah, and and that's a very uh, good that's injury. that's probably the biggest concern there. Um and William comes in and says wasn't Boone supposed to do that last year before injury? Um they brought him to be that number 3 back. It was something they were looking at him to help add to that and push um, the returner Denver had. Um, Deontay Spencer. They, they were yep. expecting to push Deontay Spencer because they weren't happy with Deontay Spencer. Um, and I think that his injury basically cemented Deontay Spencer sticking around as a returner. I think if he didn't get hurt, then he probably would have won the job. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy jumping back in here. We're going to have him on here uh, next week as well, guys. Uh, I did not get to hear anything about Majai Sanders because Twitch froze. Well, fortunately for you, we hadn't even got into Majai Sanders, and we'll take a shot at this right now. I feel Um, bad for the kid. Uh, me too. I really do. He 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 showed up to the combine. I think he weighed what two hundred and fifteen or two hundred twenty five pounds. Like very he, he, he weighed very 220, light. 227 pounds. He was over two forty, like two forty five ish at the Senior Bowl. He was sick, lost a lot of weight, couldn't keep any food or water down, and then he went out there and tested anyways. Which mm-hmm. there, I can't remember who it was. It was on NFL Network when I was watching the coverage. One of them talked about how his camp his trainers and everything pushed him to test anyways despite being sick and then he was when he as soon as he was cleared the morning of that was such a terrible idea like it it was absolutely terrible um i'm not sure when their pro day is i can actually pull it up real quick um i don't think it's super far away yeah and scott just jumped in here with some context here he dropped 14 pounds in a month So like, that's, that's a big number. And you could already tell that he was kind of thinner and slender kind of a guy. There's, there's a frame there for sure for him to bulk up into, and you could definitely build some strength to him. 
the issues that he had as far as on tape really go into um, the, the run defense specifically. Um, pass rush productivity, while he has the tools that he can actually get after the passer, didn't bring a lot to the table in terms of that is concerned. There's something to work with there. I liked Majai Sanders a lot, and I'm going to do a scouting report on him, I believe, here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, the, the, the biggest thing is he didn't test well either, even after having the weight drop. And obviously he's, he was sick. He still didn't test very well. And that was something that was very – like a big cause well, I mean, for that was, concern. That's and a, it definitely was something with being him. Sick. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and, his, and the Cincinnati Pro Day, I actually just looked it up. It's the 24th of March. And apparently they're not looking at – if he competes there, they're also looking at having another individual combine for him a little bit later in April, trying to let him get back and get recovered and everything. Um, but anyway, talking about get into a little bit about Majai Sanders, the player. Um, I like him as a pass rusher. Just I don't think he's better against the run than Malik Reed is. I think yeah. he's actually worse, and that's saying something against the run. Yeah, it, he just gets manhandled. He really does. He he lacks a lot of uh, a functional strength. He's an explosive athlete. He moves really well, even if you do task him in dropping into coverage, which Cincinnati didn't do a whole lot, but they did actually have him drop back. He he moves well, but it didn't translate on on onto the testing side of things. And again, that goes back to him being sick. I I feel for the kid. I like him a lot. I, I think that if the Broncos wanted to take him and maybe the tail end of the fourth, what they have at 115 and 117, I think are the picks they have in the fourth round. Um, or if they potentially, you know, acquire a fifth round pick after they traded one to Seattle, like that would be the area that I would take him like a flyer on him, but I'm not going inside the top 100 with a guy like Manjai Sanders. I'm just not doing it. And I'm sorry for that. Uh, Gary, thank you for joining us tonight. And we appreciate you as always for helping out with the show. Uh, nothing to say, just showing some love over on Facebook and, we really appreciate that, man. Really do. Now, uh, the next part of this conversation that we have to have as far as free agency goes, we're about 42 minutes. We want to get through these next probably two or three if we have the time to be able to do so. Obviously, interior defensive line um, is a huge need now. After It was a need before the, the Russell Wilson trade, but then sending Shelby Harris as a part of that package. Interior defensive line, guys that can hold up in the running game specifically um, and also have the versatility to get after the passer. This is a huge need for this Broncos team. Now, Eric, I know the top guy on your list, I think he's actually the top guy in your heart, quite honestly, is Sebastian Joseph Day. He's a former Los Angeles Ram. Uh, worked with uh, Ijiro Evero this last season, obviously won a well, Super Bowl. Um, there's there's a lot to like about Sebastian Joseph Day. Why don't you take the floor here and pound the table for your guy? I mean, it's not that like – I mean, they, they were on the same team and everything, but, I mean, defensive backs coach, passing game coordinator, defensive lineman, like there was definitely a little bit of a separation there. Right. But he definitely got that exposure to him. And when scouting defensive linemen in the NFL – kind of refresh for going back and scouting college guys. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day was probably, I don't want to say he was the best one and a half, one and a half gappers in the NFL, but he was definitely up there. He was so good at what was asked of him. Um, I think he got hurt this last year, missed a little bit of time or it bothered him a little bit. Um, but he, he is really good. And he's a guy that I think is ready to be a starter in the NFL. Um, he's stuck on a, pretty good deep and deep defensive line and with the Rams. Yep. Um, I don't think it'll be super expensive just because there's that risk of he's just been in the limited role, limited role. Um, but he's definitely one. And then Nathan came in with, I like the guy from um, the jets follow runs of Fadukasi. I mean, Denver's defensive line had some, so many issues against the run last year. You want a guy with good. That's one of the better run defenders in the NFL. Follow runs of Fadukasi right there. So it was actually kind of funny because when we went to the Mile High Huddle meet and greet, that was the game that the Broncos played against the Jets. And while we were doing the the run up to the to the game and doing our uh, the, the pregame content that we had on uh, the the Huddle Up podcast with Chad and Zach, they were asking you like, what are the guys to watch out for? What are the matchups you're kind of looking at? And I pointed out Folo Fadakasi. Uh, it was like 
that was a guy, especially with the issues that they had with, with Lloyd Cushenberry. I'm like, yeah, everyone's talking about Quinn and Williams. They're going to find a way to, to go and double team him as much as they possibly can. But that's going to open up a lot of lanes for Fuller Runs with Fadakasi, who also does have some pass rush versatility to him. Like he had a lot of pressures against the Broncos in that game, had a lot of pressures this year. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but he actually showed out like, I really liked photo runs of Fadakasi, and I think that's a, it's a really good fit. Sebastian Joseph Day is another guy that I like, and there's another one too. Obviously, Akeem Hicks is, is a big guy that you could potentially see for the Broncos um, coming in, but that's probably a little bit higher price. Another guy here, though, Denver area native, um, is a guy that was rumored to be signing with the Broncos back, I believe it was in 2016, 2015, something like that, uh, in Calais Campbell. Um, Former Arizona Cardinal, former uh, Jacksonville Jaguar, was with the uh, Baltimore Ravens this last year. Um, Calais Campbell is another guy on Eric's list. That's a that's a big guy to watch out for. Yeah, I don't think it happens. Um, I think he's still – I mean, with how he's playing, he's still playing as one of the best interior defensive linemen. I think he's still looking for a good payday, and I'm not sure he'll take a discount to come back home, finish out his, um, finish out his career in Denver – also, part of the reason why he didn't end up in Denver last time was because his wife kind of said, no, 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 I want warm weather. Um, one guy that didn't make my list that was interesting, I actually didn't realize he was a free agent when I made my list, otherwise I would have put him on there. Um, Bronco fans are quite familiar with him. I mean, he helped them lead them to a Super Bowl, and Malik Jackson. Yeah. Um, part of a rotation, I mean, really came into his own under um, Wade Phillips, obviously, with that defensive front. He's a good one-and-a-half gapper. He can two-gap. He can one-gap. He's just got that versatility. Hasn't been as dominant in recent years, but he's still a really good, capable defensive lineman that just adds raises the floor of your room. Um, he's one that I wouldn't mind uh, looking sure. at either. It just depends on cost. Um, and a couple of comments here based off what's going on in the chat. I keep seeing a lot of people talking about um, the salary cap. Denver is only about $23 million in cap space at the moment but remember the salary cap can always be worked around yeah it's, and Eric, in a Eric, way it's imaginary um it's like more of a soft cap as a way to way to view it um i mean getting two players uh, each of them at three years 30 million dollars and then for one year having them as six million combined on the cap that right there goes to show you structuring really matters and then how much is guaranteed when it's guaranteed because that'll play into how you can get out of the out of the contract, which plays in that. And then the picks outside of the the second and two third round picks right now, the number for every other pick is unknown until the NFL releases the compensa compensatory picks. Um, it's yeah. well known that the four, two fourth round picks will be in the top 150. We're at, not sure. They could be in the 20, 120 range. They could still be in the teens. We're not sure at that moment either until those come out. Yeah, I forgot about that. And that'll that'll come out here shortly after the uh, opening of free agency. Actually, actually, the expectation was that it was supposed to happen Tuesday. Really? It, wow. It typically okay. happens about a week about about a week before the start of free agency, and we're past that point. So that's true. That is very true. I, I guess I didn't think about that. You're you're actually right. So again, Eric Eric being right. Who would ever thought that Eric being right on the Dove Alley Deep Divers podcast was actually gonna happen? God. My Christ. Anyways, <laughs> um, I want to go back to Malik Jackson really fast because I think that, quite honestly, the effectiveness that he had in Denver scheme was where they used him as that that four and five technique using his length and athleticism because he was never actually the biggest guy. He really only weighed about 290, 295 pounds, but he didn't have enough athleticism to be a true dominant four, three edge defender. Like, and that's what, when he went to Jacksonville, that's really what they used him as. Then he went to, to Philadelphia. They tried to use him there as well. I think sliding him back inside on this defensive line, using him similarly to the way that the Broncos used Draymond Jones over the last couple of seasons, or even go back to obviously with him in, uh, in Denver back in 2015, that might be a very intriguing option because misuse of a player's skill set is definitely a big reason for struggles and failures for the player himself. So getting Malik Jackson back into a more comfortable role in uh, along the interior of the defensive line might actually be a really interesting way to go there. Um, let's One see. I want, to, I want to say in the comments about involving another Malik, Malik Reed. Um, I was a big fan of Malik Reed coming out, but I mean, it's time to just kind of put him to bed. He's not good. He's <laughs> every advanced metric for a pass rusher 
he was seriously tied for the worst or second worst. Yeah. And his run defense, he was very clearly the worst. Uh, so, yeah, it's just time to put Malik Reed to best. I mean, Denver got great value out of him as an undrafted free agent. I would expect him to be back on the roster this year because he's experienced, but, I mean, he's just not good. Yeah. Our pal jumping in here with an intriguing question because it sounds like Fletcher Cox could potentially be released from the Philadelphia Eagles here in the next couple of days. So uh, is Fletcher Cox on your radar as a guy that you could bring in as an interior defensive line player? Um, let's let's call him a 1-3 gap kind of a guy. Oh, he's definitely a 1-3 second. Sorry. He's definitely a 3-4-5. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's released. If not this year, I mean, he's gone next year. I know that they're, they're trying to trade him. Uh, depending on what happens, I'd definitely take a look. He wasn't used. We talked about this a lot with the head coaching search. Um, with Jonathan Gannon about and his issues with using players, Fletcher Cox was so misused in yeah. that defense. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd definitely take a look at him. It just would depend on the cost. And that's a big thing is you're talking Fletcher Cox is a top five interior defensive lineman, even at his elevated age, he's, he's pushing the, I think 31 mark now, if I remember correctly, like he's, he's definitely getting up there. Um, but that's, that's a guy that has the ability to, to push the pocket, can get after the passer, um, a really good run defender as well. Um, like that, that's a guy that I'm, highly intrigued in actually. And I, I forgot that uh, I saw the report that they were going to, they were potentially going to release him here in the next couple of days. So good shout to our Powell on that one. Um, moving back a level of the defense, we've got the linebacker position off ball linebackers. Obviously Baron Browning is a guy that the Broncos really like a lot there. Um, and it sounds like I, I know they, just did the exclusive rights free agent tenders to guy. I think it was Jonas Griffith was the guy that they tendered today. And Micah Kaiser is a restricted free agent that should be coming back here um, when they do those tenders here in the next couple of days. But uh, off ball linebacker, Josie Jewell is another option here as well. Off ball linebacker is kind of an intriguing need here for this Broncos team. And it really kind of depends on what we're going to see with the Jiro Evero with the, with the quarter schemes that he likes to run. Is he going to task his linebackers as much in coverage as, as, uh, uh, Vic Fangio did, or is he going to look for guys that kind of just eat up some space, uh, downhill guys in the running game? Um, what is the versatility that you're looking at there? So I want to take a look at your article again here. And as I scroll down to the very bottom of it, obviously you have Josie Jewell there at the very top of the list, a guy that I know that the Broncos are talking to in terms of getting a, a, a long-term extension done, or maybe even just a, a short-term extension, but trying to keep him back. The next guy on your list, Foyasade Aluakon, he's an unrestricted free agent from the Atlanta Falcons. If James Campbell's watching this show, I need the most hype in the chat from James Campbell because this is his dude. Foye Aluakon has been this guy's dude for the last couple of years. He's actually like proposed a couple of trade ideas to get him in Denver. Great coverage linebacker, takes some gambles at times. He's not necessarily the most consistent player, but that's a guy that I really like. As an unrestricted free agent, if you can get him in, into town – less than $6 million, which he's probably going to make more than that. Like that's a, a move that I'm highly intrigued by. Yeah, he, He's one that there's a lot of people that are talking about that. He's going to push not necessarily the top end of the market, but he's not going to be far behind the top end of the market for it. Um, he's a solid cover guy, um, guy that you want to keep clean. I'm just not sure Denver is the right scheme for him. And since a lot of people are talking about Bobby Wagner in the chat, get on him. No. He's definitely, he made my list. Um, I think it's safe to kind of cross out Bobby Wagner's name. One, I think he's going to be a little too expensive. And two is he and Russell Wilson, like that connection there, you know, that's not the best connection. They had their issues in Seattle. There was issues with Russell Wilson and multiple guys on the defense. Um, I believe Richard, the issues with Richard Sherman were public. Um, yeah, there's just issues there. I think it's pretty safe to cross out Bobby Wagner. And plus, Wagner is still a solid linebacker, but he's definitely not the player he was. Um, I think that I think that you'd be looking at elsewhere. I, I believe that we'll look at someone in the draft, and then Josie Joel will probably be back. Another thing on Bobby Wagner, he's 32 years old, guys. Like, if you, if you want a, a decent – like, Bobby Wagner's a great player. Don't get me wrong. It, potentially a Hall of Fame linebacker, and he's a great coverage linebacker and stuff like that. Like – but at 32 years old, you're going to go out and pay top dollar for a guy that doesn't necessarily – I don't think he fits very well here, quite honestly. Um, and also the issues that he had with Russell Wilson in the locker room. 
I'm I'm out on Bobby Wagner, and, I, and I'm sorry to say that. I just I'd rather give the money to Josie Jewell or to Al, Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, which they're probably not going to give the money to Alexander Johnson. So Bobby, miss me with Bobby Wagner, guys, and I'm sorry for that. Uh, George jumping in here, uh, great pod, guys. Thanks for your insight into our team, Denver Broncos for life, Mile High Huddle for life, and thank you, George, for uh, joining the show and showing us some love. We appreciate you, man. And again, thank you very much on that. Uh, okay. Um, Gabriel, the issue, the difference is, is that Von Miller was asked to do a lot in Vic Fangio's defense. Malik right. was not. I, Malik I, I, was asked to do very little, and he couldn't do it. Um, it's just consistent issues with Malik Reed. It's why they've consistently tried to look and upgrade him. And the only reason why he's back is because it's been cheap. I, uh, I, I mean, he, they didn't they didn't want him to be a be a starter. They didn't want him to be the number three guy. They were hoping that one of the rookies would step up into it. Jonathan Cooper wasn't able to, like, he eventually was able to. Like, Malik Reed is bad. And it's, I mean, Vic Fangio, he had his issues for it. But, I mean, he got a lot of mediocre players to play at a high level, and Malik Reed still couldn't get good. Like, yeah. Malik Reed couldn't play at an average level. Um, I, but, yeah, I, I mean, that. using using the role of Von Miller with Malik Reed, it's not apt because it's quite extremely different, actually. Right. There, there's something I want to address on this and to, to give you the context behind what just happened there. Um, and Gabriel, thank you for joining us. We, we appreciate you for giving us a different, a different perspective. You give us, giving us something else to talk about here. Uh, we, we value all your guys' opinions. I'm not trying to shoot you down and or like attack you or anything. Like that. I want to have this discussion. Uh, he says, just before I go, uh, big Al Alfred Williams said on a 50 K away, uh, that Vic asked Vaughn to do more than any outside linebacker in the league, which slowed his production. Let's not act like Malik Reed had the opportunity to look good on the stat sheet. Now, while I understand where you're coming from on that one, and Eric actually kind of hit on all the points, the biggest thing here is that even if Malik Reed wasn't asked to do a whole lot, it, like, you know, just the um, dropping into coverage and stuff like that, he wasn't great against the run because he just doesn't have the functional strength to do that. It shows up on the tape, too. He doesn't have the pass rush productivity to be able to be a consistent and pure edge defender. He's not the next Shaq Barrett. Like, that. that's uh, not – there's there's so many things that go into this. And while I value everybody's opinions, this is my opinion. You, you got an opinion from a different show. I'm going to offer you the counterpoint. We're having a discussion here. Like, I don't value Malik Reed as much as, as Big Al does. And Big Al has some other questionable takes about quarterbacks or running backs or wide receivers. Like, yes – the guy's a two-time Super Bowl champion, a great defender, a Broncos legend. But let's not act like that guy. It, I guess I can't I open, say that. I open Twitter every day to see with Big L getting getting flamed for one of his takes. Um, which nothing but respect towards him. I mean, that works for some people. That hot take aspect of it, not my thing. Not something I pull to. And last thing with Malik Reed is that playing him full time on the edge was a big concern of him coming out. It was a yep. concern I had. Um, a hybrid role would probably be a little bit better for him. Yeah, he, He's really stiff, and he's a lot more stiff than um, you hope. And there's just there's a lot of other issues there. As your number four edge guy, like, he's fine. Yeah. But you, really, you don't really don't want him more than that. Peter Milton says, how do the Broncos four linebackers rate in comparison to other team's linebackers? I'm happy with the Broncos choosing which ones they want out of those four, then drafting a late draft pick. Um, I mean... It's one of those positions that talking about with Vic Mangio and getting a lot out of him. I mean, we saw at linebacker position, you were able to go from Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson. I mean, outside of Justin Cernod and um, the other guy um, who Brown's game got hurt, um, not Curtis Robinson, who they let go, but the other one, Kaiser, Micah Kaiser. Yeah, Micah Kaiser, yep. Outside of them, I mean, Jonas Griffin came in and he played extremely well. Yeah, oh, I'm excited he's back. He's um, exclusive rights for Asian. I'm excited he's back. I'm curious to see what he can bring. Um, and then, um, Kenny Young, uh, he made some splash plays, which got him a lot of love, but I mean, he wasn't the most consistent guy. A lot of issues that were there on tape. I mean, missing, just getting lost in zone coverage was a big, bad thing, but he was solid against the run. Um, I think that the guy that they want back the most is Josie Jewell. And I think that we could very well be looking at Josie Jewell and Baron Browning as your starters. Jonas Griffin there as the as a guy as a special teams guy who can step in, and then that rookie there as kind of that third guy, that developmental guy. Because I don't think Josie Jewell gets more than like a two year deal. 
I don't think so either. And it's going to be a cheaper deal too, just because he doesn't have the athleticism. He's okay in coverage. He feels really well in the running game. His, his athletic ability is not great. Um, sorry, I meant to go with the, uh, the, the awareness, like his football awareness, his football IQ off the charts. That guy puts himself in the best position that he possibly can. And even though he does a great job with that, he still doesn't have the athletic ability to actually make the play that he needs to make. So, um, a, a cheaper guy, a guy that's going to be a, a stalwart on your special teams unit, a guy that is definitely willing to be able to do that. Like I I'm all right with bringing Josie Jewell back. Micah Kaiser is a guy I really liked a lot. He fits the defense very well. has some familiarity with the Ajiro Evero as well with his time with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and again, like Eric said, Jonas Griffith, dude, that kid is uh wow. Wow, I, I was very impressed with him over the the tail end of the, the the tail end of the season, and it was it was fun to watch that kid. I like when you were watching him, you're like Baron Browning and Jonas Griffith. That might be the most underrated linebacker combination you can get, and they're not even scratching the surface of their potential yet. Both are so athletic. Um, crazy. Real quick before we get out of here, EJ asks Lance and Eric, would you take Abraham Lucas or Max Mitchell at tackle in the draft? Um, I'm not as high on Abraham Lucas. I was actually watching his tape a little bit before we went live couple games that I haven't already watched and wasn't super impressed, but I mean, I liked Max Mitchell. I've gone back and done a little bit more work on him, watched a couple games I didn't get to watch the first time. And yeah, he's, he's moving down my board quite a bit. Um, I don't think he's even in my top 50 at the moment or top 150 at the moment. Um, Abraham Lucas, if he's there in the third round, depending on what other tackles are there, I definitely look his way though. I haven't got a chance to, to dive into Abraham Lucas yet, but I was a big fan of Max Mitchell. The first time I watched him, I'm like, you know what? This guy, uh, top 100, hell, top 64. Like, I was like, you know what? The, the movement skills are there. He has a, it does a really good job in pass protection, but he also played at Louisiana and didn't play the, the highest level of competition. And then when he went to the Senior Bowl, it was ugly. It was really ugly. He got dominated over and over again coming off the edge. Um, he played both right and left tackle at Louisiana, so he played right and left tackle at the Senior Bowl as well, and it was just not good. And then he goes to the combine where you see the movement skills on tape, and they did not translate to the testing at all. He ran like a four, a 5.4 second 40, which was near the bottom of the class. Like it was one of the slowest 40 times. And not that that's a great indicator, but the, the other agility drills that he did compete in and the, the footwork drills that he showed on, on the field. Max Mitchell, a, a guy that I really liked, just based on the tape, you, you watch him again, you watch him go against higher level competition. He's quickly falling down my board. I can't wait to take another look at Abraham Lucas. I do have a scouting report coming on Max Mitchell is a guy that I still kind of like. Um, he fits the scheme well enough, but after those testing numbers, that's not a guy that I'm taking in the top 200, honestly. It, it's that bad. It really is that bad. And then before we get out of here and say goodbye, I saw a couple people talking about Stink. Um, and I have, I have to share this story with Stink because it's a good one. Um, I have nothing but respect for Stink. I mean, the Alaskan guy, like that aspect of it. Um, and it was hilarious because a few years ago, Trevor Simeon was a starting quarterback, and I I went out about the um spoke to a guy who at the time was working for the Los Angeles Chargers, and he was talking about how it was after they just absolutely wiped the floor with Denver in a game, and I was talking to him. He's like, "Oh, we just knew what was coming." We're able to read um, Trevor Simeon. We knew what was coming, and we just reacted to it. And I remember I p made a comment about that in an article. And then, like, the next day, I wake up to a bunch of messages. A um, couple of them were audio recordings of Stink on radio just absolutely shredding me for, like, 10 minutes about it. And the best part about it was he shreds me for this. And then at the end of it, he says, who cares if Trevor Simeon has a tell? Every player has a tell anyways. Like I wasn't sitting there making defending like oh not players don't have tells I was just sitting there saying it's like this was a this, they used this and then he's sitting there ripping me for having that for putting that take out there and then proceeds to say that yeah every player has tells and teams use it like it's just funny story to me Trevor Simeon looks left fades left drops 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 sack. That was that was Trevor Simeon. It was not that. Well, we don't have to talk about Trevor Simeon anymore. Outside of that story, we don't have to talk about him. We don't have to talk about any of these other quarterbacks. Because no, I, I know, Tyler, I, I know where you were Mark going. Sanchez, I remember this. 
We don't have to talk about this anymore. We got Russell Wilson, guys. Uh, Russell Mike. freaking Wilson, guys. <laughs> like, I, I wish I could say the word that I want to say, but it's Russell freaking Wilson. RFW. Like, we have PFM. We have RFW. Now, this is where we're at, guys. We get we get to talk about we get to argue about tight ends and edge rushers and tackles. We get to argue about all those stuff now. Like <sighs> William Catalano says, says, "Topic guys, PTSD, lol." <laughs> yes, sir. All right, guys, we are over our hour time limit, and I just want to say again to thank you all for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. We're gonna get out of here, but uh, yes, Dylan Von Arts, Russell, Mother Lovin' Wilson. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, anyways, guys, again, thank you for watching Dove Valley Deep Divers for joining us uh, tonight as we do every single Friday night. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, shout out to Scott Kennedy running the ones and twos behind the scenes at Scout Kennedy. Uh, also, guys, while you're at it, at DVDD underscore pod. That's the podcast account. You're going to find out what we're talking about every single Friday. Uh, also, at Mile High Huddle, where you're going to get breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos, including film breakdowns, opinion articles, scouting reports. We've got all of our premium draft content from Eric and myself and from Nick and Carl, from all the guys. Anything at Mile High Huddle, you'll also be able to find it at milehighhuddle.com. Speaking of the dot-coms, guys, if you're on Facebook, make sure you go to facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Click that blue become a supporter button because if you do that, it's $5 a month, but you're going to get premium content, premium video content from Eric Trickle on the Trickle Zone. You'll get uh, uh, Zach Kelberman on Kelberman's Corner and then Chad Jensen Book Club uh, on, I think it's Monday, but you're, you're going to get those uh, get those uh, those videos every single week. Um, also on the top, .com, guys, pod.com. That's the merch tent. You're going to get yourself a hat. I've got the Dove Valley Deep Divers hat on. I know Eric has his Dove Valley Deep Divers t-shirt on. There's a, a face mask. There's a, a coffee cup, a hoodie, uh, something for the guys, something for the gals, lots of different merchandise there. Uh, HuddleUpPod.com, that's where you're going to get that. And if you're not able to do so, financially able to help and support the show, we love you guys' super chats. We love the stars donations. We love all that stuff. We really do. And we appreciate every single one of you guys for doing that. But if you're not financially able to do so, Please, guys, subscribe wherever you guys are watching or listening to this podcast, whether it's on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us all at Mile High Huddle. And then if you like it, click the like button. It helps out a lot. And if you really love it, share it. Get in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible because without your guys' support, without everybody's support, we couldn't do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, with that, Eric. Draft season, baby. We got Russell Wilson. It's it, it. Our focus is completely changed. We're not talking about the top guys. We're talking about the the lower level guys. This is where you thrive. Any last words, dude? What like I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say here. Oh, I wanted to address something that was about the whole quarterback thing. And uh, go ahead. Leave a comment here it says, "Thank goodness we don't have to talk about freaking number twelve anymore." Number twelve, who? You know. Okay, so yes, I was fine with if Denver ended up. Paxton Lynch. Because Paxton Lynch the, hasn't the, been on this roster in the last five years, guys. Like, we don't have to talk about Paxton Lynch anymore. Never did. Anyways, I, I was I was fine with it. But, like, it was definitely getting annoying. He was a guy who's like, oh, I don't want to cause a lot of drama. I don't want to be – I want to take my time. I don't want to take too much time. And here it is, free agency, about a week away when he made his decision. And not even an hour almost after he makes his decision, boom, Russell Wilson. And then the next day, Carson Wentz. And then Khalil Mack. And now today it's the quarterback in Houston, that whole stuff with him. Like, he went for this big show, this LeBron James-type reveal of him staying, and it just got pushed under the rug. Like, and that so makes me happy. It wasn't even the Russell Wilson news. Like, there was so much more news that happened on on Tuesday and Wednesday. Like, you had the Harold Landry extension that, that got some, some – some run on some TV shows. Uh, you also had Cam Robinson that got the franchise tag. Uh, there was also the Calvin Ridley stuff that came out that was right, right following after the, the Russell, uh, the, the Russell Wilson trade and Aaron Rodgers. And like Aaron Rodgers made this big spectacle. And then the NFL said, we we're going to crap all over your face, dude, because we have way more news than just anything about you. Like so good. So glorious. I love it. Love it. I, guys, 
I cannot tell you how excited I am for the Denver Broncos right now. They've got a great direction with their coaching staff. They've got a great roster in tow, and they just secured their franchise quarterback for at least the next two years, but it sounds like the next 10 years. Like His contract says two years. They're going to figure that out. Don't worry about that. Russell Wilson is going to be in tow for a long time, and we can finally put this to bed and start talking about the real aspirations that this team does have right now, which is not only playoff contention, but Super Bowl contention. When you have a guy like Russell Wilson, you are always in Super Bowl contention if you have a roster to carry with it. And damn it, guys, it feels so good to be back in this because three years ago, we were covering a bad – for the last three years, we've been covering a bad football team. And the Broncos are finally relevant again. And I cannot wait to have and share this experience with you guys. With that, though, we're going to say goodnight to everybody. Have a great weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Please stay safe and take care. And as always, go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Bye, guys. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.